Welcome, my dear friends, to episode three of the Counting Sheep podcast. (laughs) The podcast where we read boring books about sheep and fucking drift off to sleep. But I don't want to get you too excited now, so we're going to we're going to calm it down. Welcome to episode 3 of Counting Sheep, the podcast where we read boring books about sheep and drift off to sleep. Welcome, my sweet babes, to the Counting Sheep podcast. In this episode, I'm trying out all of the different intro styles. Thanks for being here with me. I love you. This week's episode is brought to you by the self-checkout at Home Depot. Home Depot. Save money. Do more. Or whatever. Okay, okay, enough. Enough of the silliness. I've just returned home from a... a week-long journey, and I'm feeling very unsettled tonight and uncomfortable. The house needs to be cleaned, and the bugs are flying around out of my routine, but I hope wherever you are in your journey out there that you're comfortable and grounded and ready to go to sleep. I think that I definitely need um, some, some boring readings about sheep tonight. I think that'll I think that'll really help, so, here we go. Um, where were we? Let's see. Just trying to figure out what would be interesting, but not too interesting. I think we'll start off. <clears throat> with buying sheep, since that seems pretty relative. Okay. Buying sheep. If you are new to sheep, then read the rest of this book before purchasing your first sheep. Studying before buying will save you money, time, aggravation, and possibly the lives of your sheep. But if you are ready to buy, here are some things to keep in mind. Unless you plan to have only a few sheep, try to obtain ewes with similar breeding for your first foray into shepherding. Not only will these ewes share traits such as temperament, breeding period, gestation period, and maturity dates, they'll also produce lambs of similar quality that mature at about the same time, which will enhance the marketability of your lambs. 
If you don't have a preference for a particular breed, consider the predominant one in your area. It's likely to be well suited to the climate, and buying close to home cuts down on shipping costs and a stressful ride for the animals. You can get replacement rams more easily, even trading with other breeders nearby after you have used yours for a while and want to avoid inbreeding. Until you become an experienced shepherd, it may be best to seek a mentor who can help evaluate the animals before you buy. Another shepherd or a veterinarian can help you evaluate the confirmation and general health of the animals you're considering, and paying for such a consultation actually can save you lots of money down the road. If you're considering buying a sheep, think seriously about the timing of your purchase. It's best to buy at a period when the animals aren't going to have to do anything too significant right after they arrive on your farm. Moving to a new home is an unpleasant is as unpleasant for them as it is for you, and they can take some time to settle in. Um, where to buy? Your first purchases should be directly from a farmer or rancher who raises sheep. These sales between individuals are called private treaty sales. If you're buying purebred stock, the Breed Association can help identify shepherds in your region who raise the breed that interests you. If you don't have a your heart set on a specific breed, ask around for references to a reputable farmer. Veterinarians, county extension agents, and other small flock owners may be able to give you some names of shepherds to talk to. Don't buy from the first farmer you visit. Try to check out two or three farms. Look around at each, but don't judge on the fanciness of the facilities. Some excellent shepherds, especially if they're full-time farmers, have old, unpainted buildings, but still have excellent, healthy animals, and that's what you're there for. Although the facilities may be old and in need of a coat of paint, they should be fairly clean. This doesn't mean that there will not be any manure piles around or any equipment stuck in a corner, but it does mean that bottles of medicine, bags of chemicals, used needles, and just plain trash shouldn't be in evidence anywhere you look. If it's been raining or snowing for a while, the ground may be muddy, but the sheep should never be chest deep in wet manure or mud. At each farm, Ask the shepherds about their breeding plans. What are they trying to accomplish with their flocks? Do they have production records and health records on the flock? Will they provide a five-day health warranty? Some farmers won't do this, and with good reason. They don't know how you will take care of the animals, but many will stand behind their animals' health for a short period. Will they deliver your animals? Within a reasonable distance, this may be part of the sale price, but for long distances, expect to pay farmers for trucking. Will they provide some technical support after purchase, like answering phone questions? 
If a seller seems unwilling to answer your questions or is impatient with you, go somewhere else. Don't purchase your first sheep at the sale barn or livestock auction house. Although some good ewes may go there from time to time, it's the most dangerous way for beginners to purchase their animals. First, even if the animals are healthy when they get there, they're exposed to all kinds of other animals that are there specifically because they aren't healthy. Second, as a neophyte, you probably don't have the ability to distinguish good, healthy animals from those that aren't, especially at a distance as they run through the ring. If you do have a sale barn nearby, though, go there for educational purposes. Talk with the farmers and study the pricing of terminal market animals, those that are going for butcher. If you see some sheep that look good to your untrained eye, ask whose farm they come from, and by all means give that person a call. Also try to move animals during mild weather if possible, and avoid rough handling and overcrowding in transport. All animals become stressed by moving, but the worse the stress, the more likely they'll come down with shipping fever, which can run the gamut from a small nuisance to a calamity. Sheep age versus price. The age of the sheep is important in relation to the asking price. Fine, young ewes that have already lambed once or twice usually bring the most money. They're already proven breeders, but they still have lots of years and lambs ahead of them. But don't rule out older sheep if you're on a tight budget. You can get started with the least outlay of capital by purchasing someone else's coals. Commercial shepherds often cull ewes at seven or eight years of age, although their expected productive life is 10 or 12 years. And older ewes are often the previous owner's better ewes to have remained in the flock for a long time. Their years may be numbered, but with good care, older ewes can be even better for you than they were for their former owner because they don't have to compete with younger ewes. By keeping the very best ewe lambs produced by these old ladies, you'll soon have a nice young flock at a reasonable price. When trying to decide on a fair price for someone else's coals, ask yourself, just how much more fleece and how many lambs could this ewe be expected to produce? If she is quite old, how much additional and higher quality feed will she need to compensate for her poor teeth? Does she have a history of twins and triplets? Let your offer reflect these conditions. The opposite age extreme, baby lambs, may also provide a cheaper route to starting out with sheep. Oftentimes, shepherds who have a bunch of bummer lambs Orphans or rejected lambs that have to be hand-raised on the bottle are glad to get rid of some. But before you think of traveling down this path, you need to understand that bummers got that name for a reason. Until they are weaned, feeding them is very time-consuming. But if you have the time, it can also be very rewarding, and your hand-raised lambs will be close pets for life, running to greet you whenever you enter the pasture or barn. For more about feeding bummers, see chapter 10. Teeth. 
Sheep have no teeth in the front of the top jaw, though they do have 12 molars in the rear of the top jaw. They also have a hard palate or dental pad on top. Their bottom teeth consist of eight incisors in the front and 24 molars or cheek teeth in the rear of the mouth. Up to a certain age, the incisors can help you figure out a sheep's age. A lamb has eight small incisor teeth until it reaches approximately one year of age. Every year thereafter, one pair of lamb teeth is replaced by two permanent teeth, starting with the inner two that are noticeably larger. By the time the sheep is about four years old, all of its lamb teeth have been replaced by permanent teeth. After this point, it is no longer possible to accurately determine an animal's age by its teeth, although you can make estimates based on the condition of the teeth. It will also begin losing permanent teeth at this point, hence the term broken mouth. All that grinding action begins to wear down the sheep's teeth, shortening its useful life and thereby its lifetime. As the incisors wear down, the amount of tooth below the gum line, about half an inch, is gradually pushed out to help compensate for the wear. This is partly why the teeth of an older ewe look so much narrower. The wider part at the top of the tooth is being worn back toward the narrower center part of the tooth, where the even narrower part below the gum line is being pushed up. With narrowing the gaps, um, with narrowing, gaps that reduce the efficiency of the used bite occur between the teeth. If you listen to an old ewe grazing, you can hear sound as the grass slips between her teeth. On a very short or overstocked pasture, the wear is faster, because sand and soil particles that are picked up as the animal grazes act like sandpaper on the teeth. The closer to the soil sheep graze, the more dirt and sand they ingest. On short pasture, ewes may take more bites to get a pound of grass, and each bite contributes to the wear of their teeth. Con conformation, conformation, not confirmation, conformation. In livestock terminology, the word conformation means the shape and size of an individual animal compared with the ideal. Animals with good conformation are more likely to produce well, although we've had a few critters over the years that were pretty ugly by conformation standards but still did fine, so don't obsess about perfect conformation. Okay, and then there's a little drawing of a sheep, and it says, This sheep shows good conformation with a nice straight back, a strong chest, legs well placed under the body, and so on. It does. It looks very healthy and vigorous. And there's this other sheep. Um, it looks a bit fucked up. It says, This sheep is far less desirable with a sway back and belly, hawk-kneed legs, 
and a weak chest and neck. Poor sheep. Um, teeth and shape of head. First, study the teeth and the shape of the head. Not only should the teeth be in good shape, but the bite itself is also important. As Paula's friend Daryl Salisbury, DBM, says, They can't shear grass if the blades don't match. In a well-conformed animal, the upper jaw is the same length as or just a hair longer than the lower jaw. In other words, the teeth of the lower jaw have to line up with the dental pad of the top jaw. Yep. More drawings. Body. Next, look at the body. The back should be long and straight, and the belly should also be fairly straight. Both the chest and the pelvic area should be broad and firm. The legs should be widely set, fairly straight, and forward-facing, with feet well-placed on the ground. The rump should be rounded, with a slight downward curve, but should not look like a slope that you could ski-jump off. Sheep being raised for meat should be large, with strong muscles and trim features. Sheep being raised for wool should have a slightly more angular body with dense, clean, bright fleece. Udder. In a mature ewe, look at the udder next. A healthy udder is soft and pliable, warm but not hot to the touch, and symmetrical with two good teats widely spaced on each side. The teats should should not show signs of chapping or hardness. Um, general health. The final thing to think about when planning your purchase is the general health of the animal. Determining a sheep's general health should involve a close physical examination. If you're considering purchasing a large flock from one seller, you may decide to closely inspect only a portion of the animal's. But if you're buying a small number of animals from one seller, say fewer than 20, then take the time to give them all a complete examination. See chapters 7 and 8 for an in-depth discussion of health. Mucous membranes. The animal should have no suspected discharges from the eyes, ears, or nose. Just as in people, if the weather has been cold and windy, A little clear fluid may discharge from the eyes or nose and not indicate anything of consequence. But if the discharge is crusty or full of pus, or if there is excessive slobbering or frothiness around the mouth, beware. And there should never be a runny discharge from the ears, period. Yum. Respiration. Respiration should be easy and steady. Unless the animals had to be chased for their examination, they shouldn't be panting or breathing heavily. If they were chased, let them rest for a few minutes. Their respiration should return to normal within about 20 minutes. Coughing and wheezing should be considered a warning of a real problem. Coat. The wool or hair should be shiny and even. Clumpy fleece and bald spots may be a sign of poor nutrition, illness, or, most often, external parasites. 
Separate the fleece around the neck with your hands and look for signs of sheep ticks or keds. These are not a true tick, like what a dog picks up in the woods, but a wingless fly that passes its whole life cycle in the body of the sheep. Ked. There may be a little... Speaking of keds, there's a bug in my eye. Um... We read a saw section on heritage breeds. Okay. Um, okay, stone coat. There may be a little mud around the ankles if the weather's been wet. Um, but there shouldn't be caked manure in the wool. Manure around the rump and on the backs of the rear legs indicates scours or diarrhea and is a definite problem. Feet. Pick up the feet and look for signs of foot rot. The hooves shouldn't be too overgrown. If any of the hooves look long, ask the owner to trim one while you watch. This is an easy way to learn how it's done and how the feet should look after they're properly trimmed. The legs should move fluidly with no signs of lameness or stiffness. Skin. Closely inspect the whole body for rashes or for wounds that haven't healed. Turn up the animal into the sitting position used for shearing, see chapter 11, to inspect the belly and the scrotum or other areas. Other areas. Several diseases manifest with skin lesions, and sheep with these disorders are best avoided. If there are wounds, um, are there signs of infection? like hot red area around the wound or draining pus. During fly season, make sure there is no sign of fly strike, which is eggs in the wool or maggots or screw worms at the wound site. Fly strike can also happen in the hooves of sheep with foot rot. Ugh. Minor wounds. <sighs> Sorry, some of my eye. Minor wounds that appear to be healing correctly shouldn't rule out an animal. Health records. After you've inspected the animals, inspect the health records. Check the vaccination record. If you're buying a ram, the enzyme-linked immunosorbent SI, or ELISA, should be negative for epididymitis. Epididymitis. Some shepherds have had their flocks monitored for certain diseases, like scrapie, ovine progressive pneumonia, and John's disease. If the flock owner has not done this type of testing, ask your local veterinarian which tests are recommended. The decision should be based in part on where you live, how many animals you're purchasing, and whether the seller is willing to provide you with a healthy animal warranty. Also, while you're talking to the vet, find out if there are any recommended changes to the vaccination program for the flock. <coughs> oh, sorry. Home at last. So, congratulations. You're the proud owner of some sheep. Now what? Before you even bring the flock home, make sure your facilities are ready. <laughs> um, a small holding pen or dry lot that is well fenced should be the flock's first stop. Feed the same type of feed as the farm where your sheep came from. 
before leaving the farm, ask the owner what kinds of forage or grain the sheep have been eating. If the flock was fed something that isn't readily available at any feed store, buy some from the farmer. Then gradually change the sheep from their accustomed diet to whatever you intend to feed. Never change abruptly. Abruptly, See chapter 6 for specifics on feeds and feeding. To avoid scours and bloat, sheep should be given their fill of dry hay before being turned out onto a pasture that's more lush than what they've had before. As you unload the sheep, you can get a head start on preventing future health problems. If they need to be vaccinated, now is a good time to do it. And absolutely deworm them. Hold them in a dry lot or small pen for 24 hours after you've given them worming medicine. After they've passed any viable eggs, move them to a clean lot or pasture. Treat again 14 to 21 days later to kill any worms that hatched from eggs left after the first worming. This is the only time I recommend worming without bothering to take a fecal sample. Quarantine. When you bring home new sheep, quarantine them for at least three weeks if you have any other sheep on site. This period gives you time to watch closely for illnesses that didn't show up during your initial examination. Well, I hope you've enjoyed um, reading about proper sheep health. And I hope you're fast asleep. Good night.